if you would now turn to the good book, the book that is the Bible, as we are working our way through the Gospel of Luke. We are in Luke verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 10. Before we turn to God's Word again, let us go to Him in prayer, asking for His blessing upon His Word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You that You do speak, that You are not silent, but that You speak through Your Word, and Your Word is powerful, Lord. Lord, it is Your Word that gave uh, life and created all things. It is Your Word as Jesus speaks and He heals and casts out demons and stops storms. And Lord, it is Your Word that You have used, that You deem to save sinners, to convict us of our sins, to convert our hearts, and to draw us near to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, please open up our eyes that we might behold Jesus all the more this day. Lord, I pray that you will soften our hardened hearts, that we might receive him, that we might rest upon him as he is freely presented to us. Open up our deaf ears that we might hear of him crucified for sinners like us. Be merciful to us, Lord. Um, we pray that, that your spirit would work among us now, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear now God's word from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. On their return, the apostles told him all they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who needed healing. Now the day, the day began to wear uh, away, and the twelve came and said, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and the countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of about fifty each. And they did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he, took, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces. He who has ears, let him hear the word of God. Please be seated. Children or young folks, have, have your parents ever given you an instruction? And after receiving that instruction, you immediately forget that instruction? They ever told you, uh, you know, go do this important chore. You go, go clean your room. And you say, okay, or yes, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Whatever you respond to your mom and dad. And, uh, but then you immediately get distracted by something else and you completely forgot what they told you to do. And then when they said, have you cleaned your room? You say, I, I forgot. Uh, I didn't remember. Or perhaps maybe some of you, others, maybe you, you heard an important lesson last Sunday. Uh, you heard last Sunday's sermon, but here we are this Sunday and you've already forgotten what was last Sunday about? Uh, what did we hear? What did I, what did I, what, what was God's message to me that was important last week that God was telling us? Well, we are a people that forget, and so are the apostles. Uh, in last week's sermon, Jesus taught them a very important lesson. 
but they have forgotten that lesson, and maybe you have too, which is why I'll remind you what last week's message was. The lesson was they must be completely dependent on Jesus. This is our lesson too, that we must be completely dependent on him and that they can't do anything without him. Do you remember Jesus sends him into the towns without anything? He told them, them, you know, leave your wallets and leave your robes. You're going to go into towns where you don't know anybody, and you're just going to have to trust that I'm going to provide for you as you're you're, you're ministering and you're sharing the gospel and you're healing. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust that I'm going to provide for you, that I'm going to take care of your needs, and also trust that you're not going to be able to do anything. You're not going to be able to do anything. You're not going to be able to do anything without me. And we forget God's lessons all the time. How often do we forget that lesson that God will provide for us? Or do we forget the lesson that God, in fact, loves us, that He is good, or that He is all-powerful, And in our anxieties and our fears, we have forgotten these very important lessons, and sometimes we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of who Christ is and what He has done for us. We need to remember Jesus is our nourishment, that He is our provision, and He is everything that we need. And what we see here in our text is Jesus reminds His disciples of the lesson that they have just forgotten. And so this is what we are to remember, that Jesus is what we need. He is our provision. He is our life. He is our substance. He is the way, the truth, the life. That's the lesson that God wants us to remember and not forget. And, you know, even we'll come to the Lord's Supper, but Jesus certainly says on purpose, do this in remembrance of me because we forget and we need to remember. And so let us remember this lesson that we need the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, here in our text, this miracle occurs. Um, This is the the miracle of the the feeding of the 5,000. And this is one of the most famous miracles that Jesus does. There, I don't know if you knew this, but there are only two miracles that appear in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only two miracles that appear in all four of those. One of those miracles is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels is the very one that we are looking at today. And whenever you see something repeated in such a manner, it's to emphasize it's important, it's significant. Um, The apostles, as we just said, they have just completed their internship. They've come from disciples. They've been commissioned now to be apostles, commissioned with power and authority to preach and to heal before they were just watching. Uh, Now they are doing, they are out doing ministry. They went to towns and they stayed with strangers and uh, some people received them and others rejected them. And now here in our text, they're returning back from their task that Jesus sent them out to do and they're going to get, to get together with Jesus, and they're going to debrief, right? They, they were out in all these towns, preaching and healing, and now they've gathered back together. They're going to this a desolate place. The hopes is, you know, they're not going to be disturbed. We're going to go to a quiet place. There's not going to be a lot of people there, and we're going to have our alone time with Jesus. Uh, we're going to have some quiet time with Jesus. We're going to be able to tell Jesus, you know, here's what's going on in my life. Uh, here's where I struggled and what you called me to do in that task. And then Jesus is going to try to encourage me and, and help me 
And you, that's what you think that the apostles the, uh, are, are doing right now. Jesus is taking them aside, going to have some quiet time now with Jesus. And, uh, but they don't get their quiet time. It doesn't happen like they, they think it will, because there in verse 11, what happens? Well, the crowds learn that Jesus is there, and they followed him. And how does Jesus respond there in verse 11? He welcomes them. And I think my natural disposition would be to be quite annoyed. Think about it. I'm going to have some quiet time with Jesus, and then you have people interrupting me. This is my quiet time with Jesus. Leave me alone. Uh, you know, my time with Jesus, and I'm getting upset at, at other people trying to, to interrupt. But leave me alone. But we see the compassion of Jesus Christ. We see that He's not annoyed. He is ready to hear. He is ready to receive. He is ready to care for all and every single one who comes to Him. He is not only ready to receive, but it says He speaks to them about the kingdom of God. He speaks the gospel to them. He speaks the truth to them. And then he, 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 he cures of those, of uh, all those who needed to be healing. We see that the absolute compassion and mercy of Jesus. He can never just be annoyed or interrupted at us. We saw that just in a few texts before, constantly being interrupted with, with uh, you know, the, the woman who had the flow of blood. She interrupts Jairus, but he, Jesus is always ready and willing to receive and to hear and to minister to anyone who calls upon his name. This is also, I think, a reminder for us, and even me personally, who can be, maybe be easily annoyed if someone interrupts my quiet time with Jesus, that we need to be ready to minister to people. Uh, we need to be ready to be interrupted in our lives. We need to be ready to be inconvenienced in our lives and what we are, are doing. We so often get in a mindset that this is what I'm going to accomplish today, and I don't have time to interact with anyone that I meet out and about, uh, have an opportunity to maybe hear how they are hurting, uh, how they might need the gospel, and, and maybe that God has put me there at that exact moment to be that minister of the gospel, to be that minister of the, of the healing truth that they need. And we need to be ready to be interrupted as well. We need to be ready to speak to people about the kingdom of God. Uh, we need to be ready to care for hurting people, for sad people, for confused people, for needy people. Uh, we need to model what Christ does here. Don't be like me and be annoyed, but model Christ. But then another problem arises, not just being interrupted for the disciples. The day began in verse 12 to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and to the countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. Now, I don't know that the disciples are actually really concerned about the people. Uh, I think that they might still be annoyed and this is a reason that they can give to just ask the people to leave. It's like, oh, would you look at that? It's, it's getting kind of late, Jesus. It's probably time for them to go. You know, <laughs> it's getting a little late in the day. We'll see you guys later, okay? You guys go get something to eat now. Um, I, I also think it could be the apostles themselves are getting hungry, 
And it's, it's essentially saying, Jesus, are, are we going to eat soon? But, you know, I'm asking for a friend. You know, it's like if ever, if ever you, like, you know, s- said to your, your spouse, maybe, you know, maybe we should go get ice cream tonight. You know, you know for, for the kids, I mean, for the sake of the kids, because we love our kids so much and we just want to show them our love. And let's go, let's go treat them for, for ice cream. Well, internally, you wanted ice cream. And so I think there could be something to that too. It's like, Jesus, shouldn't we feed these people? Isn't it getting kind of late where they're, they're probably hungry and they'd want food themselves? And Jesus, can you, stop, can you stop teaching? Can you stop healing? And can we just eat something? So the apostles, they, they asked Jesus, send the people off and let them look after themselves. Let them figure it out. Now, last week's text, Jesus sent them on a test. And they fulfilled that test, and they went into the town without much. And now Jesus, they think that their internship is done, but it's not. And, you know, they're thinking they're just coming back to to debrief with Jesus about what Jesus had sent them on a task, but now Jesus is actually going to test them here now again. They thought their internship was over, but it is not. And what does Jesus then tell them to do in verse 13? He says, well, you give them something to eat. You recognize the problem, so you get to do something about it. Uh, You can figure it out. You give them something to eat. And so what did the disciples do? They don't do it. And I just, you know, look at last week's text and this text before they went out. They went out to do what appeared to be the impossible. They went out with nothing. And did God provide for them? He did, absolutely. He provided for their every need. But now they think that their work is done and Jesus asked them to do something that almost seems, that does seem impossible to them. And they say, well, we can't do that, Jesus. We don't have what we need. We don't have enough. Um, Verse 13, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we're to go and buy good for all these people. And how many people are there? Well, we're told that there's 5,000 men, which means there's much more than 5,000 because any women and children present aren't being counted in that number. And it says, we don't have enough. You know, Jesus, we could buy food for all these people, um, but I think there's, there's a lot of sarcasm in their voice. Because again, if you look at the previous text, what did Jesus tell them not to bring with them? Their wallets, their money. So it's like, Jesus, we could buy all these, you know, we could buy these people food, which actually would have been about eight months worth of someone's salary, would have been a lot of money. But it's like, Jesus, we could, you know, let's go buy these people food. Oh, wait, someone told us not to bring our wallets. I wonder who told us to do that. You know, I think there's, there's somewhat uh, annoyed at Jesus here as well. Let's go buy them food. Oh, Jesus, we don't have our wallets. What do we do? Uh, oh, Jesus, we can't do what you're asking us to do. Um, we didn't budget for this. There's nowhere to buy food here anyway. We're in this desolate place. We were trying to get some alone time with you, and there's nothing around here. Uh, we're, we're in this wilderness. There's no restaurants or hotels. There's not a good place to, this is not, you know, the ideal place for this religious convention that you're holding here. Jesus, you're asking us to do the impossible, but the disciples had forgotten as we do, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Is it impossible to heal someone from leprosy in a moment? Does Jesus do that? Absolutely. 
Is it impossible for you to just tell someone, stand up, rise and walk? It is impossible. Does Jesus do that? Absolutely. Is it impossible for you to talk to a hurricane of a storm and say, peace, be still, and it stops? It is impossible for you, but does Jesus do it? Absolutely. Is it impossible for you to look at a man and say your sins are forgiven and they are indeed forgiven? It is impossible, but it is not impossible for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see all these lessons that the apostles, they had been observing and watching about Jesus, but now when it comes to bread, they say it's impossible. How are you going to do that, Jesus? How are we going to do this? And one, they don't ask Jesus for help. They just say, we can't do it. And you see, we do in fact have limitations, but they had forgotten that God does not. And Jesus is the true and living God. He is the God-man. So what does Jesus do? Verse 14 through 17, we're told, he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and made them all sit down and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd, and they all ate and were satisfied, and what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. And we see Jesus took these five loaves, and he just kept breaking the bread, breaking the bread, breaking the bread, breaking the bread. And for over 5,000 people, they are not only satisfied, there is an abundance. He gives them more than they need. You see, we have heard this story so many times that we feel like it might not be all that shocking, but this is an absolute incredible miracle. Five loaves for over 5,000 people. Imagine after church, we say everyone is coming over to your house, and we're not that big of a church, but you might feel a little stressed out. How am I going to do that and feed everyone? But imagine you have 5,000 people who are coming over to your house for lunch immediately after church, and you're going to feed everyone. And all you have is five loaves of bread. And Jesus feeds them, and he, he, he does it. And it's, a, it's an amazing miracle. Now, you'll hear uh, some false claims about this text, people trying to, to naturalize or somehow justify that this wasn't a miracle. And uh, what, what you might hear is that there are people that, that had brought lunch, but there were some people that, that didn't bring lunch. And um, uh, when Jesus takes the loaves and he breaks them and he starts sharing his lunch with other people, then that inspires the people that have brought their lunch to then share with the people that haven't brought their lunch. And you might hear, it was a miracle of generosity. But that would do absolute violence to God's word here in the text. That's absolutely what is not happening. You might also hear uh, this conspiracy theory that Jesus beforehand had actually hidden in a cave nearby just a bunch of bread. And then the disciples, like a bucket brigade from the cave, went behind Jesus, and Jesus had like a slit in the back of his robe, and they kind of handed it for him, and then they kind of did one of those things. How ridiculous is that? This is an absolute miracle that God takes five loaves of bread and feeds more than 5,000 people. And this is what the text is is meant to, to show us that Jesus is God, that he is divine, that he is all-powerful, and that Jesus will provide. 
Uh, this was done publicly also before many, many witnesses. You have 5,000 people. Uh, w- would you not be able to see a, a bucket brigade? Um, uh, w- would something else not be, out be recorded if it was just the, the miracle of generosity? There are over thousands of witnesses of what Jesus is doing, that he took bread and it was just being broken and broken and broken and broken and being distributed again and again and again. He made food exist that did not exist. When Jesus commands a thing, it comes to pass. I mean, that's really what the disciples have been learning. When Jesus speaks, it happens. When Jesus wills something to occur, it happens. God provides abundantly for the needs of his people. Everyone was satisfied, and there are leftovers. And they keep going back to Jesus, and there is more, and there is more, and there is more. Can you ever remember a time that God provided abundantly for your life? in your life. Maybe, maybe, and I think these are important times that we need to remember and you need to reflect upon in your life that God provided for you when you weren't expecting it. You know, I even think when we were decided that we were going to stay here in Tampa, we couldn't find a place to live. We didn't know where we were going to live. How are we, where are we going to stay here in Tampa? But at the last moment, the Lord provided and he provided a wonderful home for us to, to have our family in. The Lord provided for us. We didn't know how that was going to happen, but the Lord did it. And maybe some of you can remember even a time where you didn't know where I was going to go to church in the midst of COVID. Where, what are we going to do? But you know what the Lord did? He provided. He provided a, a, a church and a group of, of, of people of God for you to come together and have fellowship with and, and to hear God's word. And I know all of you with individual stories and, and individual lives, the Lord has abundantly provided for you in, in many and various ways. And we should be in the habit of sharing how the Lord has provided for one another. And what an encouragement that would be to each other, to be reminding one another, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Um, and when will the Lord stop providing for us? Never. Do you remember Abraham and the Lord called, his, called him to sacrifice Isaac? And uh, Abraham's going with Isaac. And uh, Isaac starts to ask his dad, like, Dad, Dad, what, what are we doing here? And Abraham says that the Lord will provide. You know, Abraham was putting his faith in the Lord. And did, did the Lord God Almighty provide Jehovah Jireh? The Lord will provide. He did. He provided the ram that would be sacrificed so that Isaac could live. Do you remember Israel was also traveling in a desolate place in a wilderness? And they didn't have food. They didn't have bread. Do you know what the Lord did for them? He provided bread from heaven, didn't he? He provided manna. God is ultimately providing for his people spiritual food and water in the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 6, verse 47 says, this is Jesus. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. This whole incident is an acted out parable. It's an acted out parable that Jesus does. He is the bread of life. The multitude in the wilderness is a picture of all of mankind, who we, who are poor, 
helpless, destitute of food and nourishment. We are in danger of perishing from spiritual famine, but God has had compassion on starving people who are destined to die in the wilderness. And he cares for us and he meets our needs and why we were yet sinners. Christ would die for us. Jesus is given to us the bread from heaven that we might be fed, that we might be nourished and not die. As you know, this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved those who were destitute and in their sins that he gave the bread of life to us that we might feast upon him by faith and not die, but have life. Jesus is our nourishment. He is our provision. He is everything that we need. Jesus gives us life through his death on the cross. Jesus went and he died on the cross, taking all of our forgetfulness. Forgetfulness is a sin. When God commands us to do something and we forget, that is not an excuse to say to God, well, I forgot you told me to love my neighbor. Forgetfulness is a sin. But yet Christ went to the cross and he died for all of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame. He bore on the cross. And so that by receiving that bread of life, you might have life. You might have the righteousness of Christ given to you. He is our nourishment. He is our provision. He is everything we need. Remember that. Don't forget that, Bayhaven. Don't forget it. Jesus is what we need. He is all that we need. He is our nourishment. He is our life, eternal life. And our hearts will always be empty and hungry and dissatisfied until we come to Christ. And I just want to end with this point too, because I think it's very fascinating. And I think it's important for us as a church that Jesus gives the bread to his disciples to distribute. I think it's important that Jesus tells his disciples, you give them food. Because what Jesus could have done was just miraculously made bread show up, popped it out of the ground right in front of where everyone was sitting. He could have done that. Jesus could have went personally out and distributed the bread to the thousands of people that were there. If anything, Jesus could have made the people come up in a line. Everyone form a line, and you come up to Jesus, and he's going to give you bread. But Jesus doesn't do that. He tells them, you give them food. You give them bread. And this is the mission of the work of the church. This is the commission of the church. Jesus could have gone to the entire world, but he didn't. He calls his church, and he calls you. You give them bread. You give them nourishment. You give them Jesus Christ. This is our calling. You know, some people think that it's, you know, this amazing thing when you hear, oh, Jesus showed up in this dream of somebody in the Middle East and how amazing and miraculous that is. You know what is even more miraculous? That Jesus was you broken sinners like you and me to share the gospel. That is amazing. That is a miracle that God would use a, a, a sinner like me and you to make the gospel known. That is fantastic. And that's what he calls us to. God is using us to share the bread of life to a starving world. Again, in John 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So even if we feel like we have nothing to offer, Jesus uses the ministry of the word, and he multiplies it again and again. 
And even if you feel, you know, I, I don't know what to say, God will give you words, but also invite people to church because this is the place you know that they're going to come to hear the word. They'll hear the words of life. They'll be a part of Christian fellowship here. His word doesn't return void. So Bayhaven, give them Christ. You go feed them. Go out and go feed them. Give them the bread of life. And let us not forget that Jesus is everything that we need. Jesus will provide for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us Jesus, the bread of life. And even, Lord, as we are about to participate in, we not only get to hear about Jesus being the bread of life, but we now get to see it and taste it, smell it, and touch it. That, Lord, you gave us this sacrament to remember, because, Lord, we are people that forget. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.